Well, it's good to see your faces. You know, I'm glad that you're here. You know, I always love saying this part that you were not here by mistake. You know that, right? That the father knew that you're going to be actually sitting in that seat. Even before you thought about it, he knew you're going to be sitting right there about to hear these Africans speak to you. <laughs> right on. Amen. All right. So, um, the father gave me something for all of us. Okay, not just for you, but for all of us, you know, including me. And I'm just praying that the Lord will give me the grace to actually deliver that message. And I'll go ahead and apologize ahead of time. Whenever I'm tired, as you know, my accent is extra thick. Okay? Like it really is. Even my kids have trouble. Blah, blah. They look at their mom going, what did he just say? I'm your dad. What are you talking about? I brought you to this world. I can send you back to heaven. Just kidding. They're like, ooh, that's a threat. Sure. I'll take Jesus. All right, here we go. Let me pray so we can get into it. Father, we just thank you. We love you. We thank you, Father, that you're such a great father. You're the father of all fathers. And you're so kind towards us, Father. And you've been so generous with your heart, with your love towards us, Daddy. And we want to honor you this morning, Father, saying happy Father's Day. We're glad that you foresaw us through your son to become your children. And what a blessing you bestowed upon us, Father. We love you. We cherish you. We adore you, Daddy. And we all say it. Amen. Amen. So, first things first, I just wanted to thank all the people because, as you know, my family, we're going through such a rough time right now. But the, but the God of heaven has been really generous through you guys. Okay, through the prayers, through the food, I appreciate the love, and I just wanted to thank you all publicly for that part. You know, the, the journey is still going on, but we're trusting and believe that the Lord will get us to the other side. Amen? You know, it, it's like Arthur said, you know, it's a pity to trust in the Lord because you're at his mercy completely. But I'm glad I'd rather be at his mercy than my own mercy, than the world's mercy. That's why King David threw himself he said, no, I'll take the other option. I'll throw myself at the mercy of the Lord, not the mercy of men. So I'd rather be in the mercy of the Lord. <clears throat> so, so through this season, which has been a really hard season for me, and it's been kind of hard to really connect with the Lord. Not saying that the Lord is not present, but you know when you go through those hard seasons, it's really hard to really track with the Lord at the same level. Because as you know, spiritually, there is a place of abundance and there's a place where you're completely base and paul said i've learned to live in both and right now the lord is teaching me to live in that base place and i'm telling you it's not easy you actually find out how much stuff is really in you okay just the way it says when the when they're trying to prefer silver or even gold they boil it right and all the stuff comes up and then the goldsmith strains it out that's what I've been going through. And, uh, but yet in the midst of that, one thing the Lord has been specifically speaking to me about is his kingdom. And you're going, of all things that I'm looking for, how about you speak to me about your grace and your comfort? <laughs> but he said, now I want to speak to you about my kingdom during this season. 
So <clears throat> I'm going to try my best by his grace to deliver that message. Amen. So y'all can be praying for me in tongues while I'm preaching up here. I love tongues. I wish I could preach in tongues all the time. <laughs> that I'm not responsible for <laughs> any manifestations. I'm like, I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> you need to deal with the Holy Ghost about that one. Amen. Laughter is good, man. All right. So, here's what I'm going to begin with. As you know, in Ecclesiastes, says there's a time for everything under the sun. I'm not going to read that whole entire chapter. Okay? But we know, as Christians, there is time for everything. There is a season for everything that we walk through. And, uh, and for me, my little addition that I was going to add to that is there's a purpose for every season also. It's not that it's just pointless. We don't go through these seasons in a pointless manner. There's actually a purpose to it. There's something the Lord is trying to get us to. Even though the means sometimes look really rough, but yet the fruit of it is absolutely beautiful. Because he's the one that gets the glory at the end of it. It's not me that gets the glory, but he's the one that gets the glory. But I benefit from him getting that glory. So, it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2.9, says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has for those, I mean, what God has prepared for those who love him. And one thing that we know is this, you know, by now, if you've been a Christian, you know that God has a plan, Right? Sometimes you might not see with absolute clarity what the plan is that is unfolding in front of you for your future. But he has a plan. And one of the emphasis that he wanted me to speak about is his kingdom. The plan that was in his heart from the very beginning. And it's not that God leaves. I'll put it this way. The kingdom itself is in God himself. Okay. It's now that the kingdom existed first and that God appeared in that kingdom. God himself created this kingdom. So it came from him. Eternity is in God. You all tracking me about this part? Eternity itself is in God. Sometimes we might get confused and we have this question. Is it the chicken came first or is it the egg that came first? The bottom line is this. God has always existed from the beginning. And everything that we see, whether it's in heaven, which is the unseen room that we can't see right now, or the things that we see came from him, including eternity itself, including this kingdom that now we ourselves are part of. So when you go back to Daniel, starting from, this is Daniel 2, starting from uh, verse 44. And this is, just to build up a little bit, this is about the Babylonian kingdom and King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was just not like an ordinary king. I mean, he had some serious status, okay? He was like the king of kings, like Lyric. He's like the king of all kings during that time on this earthly realm. And he had this dream from God himself. And the dream shook him to the point that he didn't want to even tell it to people. He wanted somebody actually to tell him what he dreamt and then interpret it for him. Because he took it that seriously. That's how much it actually affected him. 
And we join here in Daniel, where Daniel is actually interpreting the dream from him. So I'm, sp- I'm skipping a whole lot of verses in between. So if you've read it before, hopefully you can keep track with me this morning. And it says this. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock that was cut from the mountain. Though not by human hands that crushed the pieces of the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold, the great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and the meaning is sudden. So here's God talking to a king that doesn't even know him. Give him an absolutely powerful dream about a kingdom that is going to come. That a kingdom that is going to be established on this earth. And a kingdom that can never be destroyed. Now he's speaking to a king that is already conquering the world. Okay, he's not talking about a king that has like this little small little dominion. This is a king that is actually his wings are so widespread that includes the wild animals. Okay, that even the wild animals were fearing him. And I'm going to read it to you so you don't think I'm just making this stuff up. It's really real. So here's this king that is being given this profound dream. Telling him there is a kingdom greater than yours that is going to come. A kingdom greater than yours that is going to appear. And I'm going to show you, not only now with your kingdom, that your kingdom itself will come to an end. Just to let you know. There will be other kingdoms that will come also. But those kingdoms will not last either. But there will be only one kingdom that will be left standing. Period. Now obviously, if you're a king, that will shake you up. Because you're trying to figure out, you know what I mean? It's interesting how the law communicates, you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's a rock that is cut without human hands. He's trying to figure out. I'm sure he's looking at it going, what in the world am I looking at in this dream? But it's interesting how God communicates to us. Spiritual things just using natural things. Using earthly terms so that we can actually comprehend what he's really saying. Because everything on this earth is actually a shadow of the true stuff that we do not see. So, so king, king, this king, right, he is so upset by the dream that he needs someone to interpret it for him. But he's not willing to even share the dream because he feels like probably maybe he thought it was so sacred and he needed to make sure that whatever interpretation that he gets will be actually true and accurate. And it's amazing that God gave one of his own children the opportunity to interpret that dream for the king. And give him specific details up to the very end. Okay? Not just from the beginning, but up to the very end of what will actually take place. So here's what he says about King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2. Starting from verse 36 through 38. So that, that was the dream. Now we'll tell you, now we'll tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. 
The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you to rule over the inhabited world and put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. That's how much status this man had, this king. Okay, so you don't talk about somebody small that is getting this profound dream that there is a kingdom greater than yours that is going to come. And it will not be conquered whatsoever. It will never be destroyed. So, obviously, if you're a Christian, you already know what the kingdom is, right? And you already know who actually came and brought that kingdom forth. The man, Christ Jesus himself, appeared on this earth as a baby. Okay, the king of this kingdom appears on this earth as a baby to establish that plan, that mysterious plan that was always in the Father's heart from the very beginning. Even before we were born, even before we had any thoughts of accepting God, he had a plan for this kingdom to appear on this earth. And he said he's going to manifest through my son. He's going to be the king that is going to establish his part. Now think about... How crazy that is. This baby is born that is the same baby that is the king of this kingdom that is to come. If you th- Sometimes when you think about God's thoughts, when he says my thoughts are higher than yours, that just confounds you. Because you'll think, you know what, maybe he should bring Jesus when he's a little bit older. Okay? Let him grow up in heaven and then send him to the earth. Boom. A little bit older. So he can present himself as a king. But no, it's a baby. It's a baby where God himself sends his angels ahead to announce with clarity that this kingdom is a kingdom of good news. Glad tidings to you people of the earth. For something new has come into this earth that has been awaited for. Something that the prophets have been prophesying for thousands of years. Something. That has not even entered your heart. Today has begun. It's the kingdom of the good news. It's how it was announced. It did not announce as a kingdom of wrath. It's the kingdom of the good news. Hmm. We're getting there. Slowly. But we'll get there. See, the king that came to present this kingdom, to establish this kingdom on this earth, he came as a humble, humble, humble servant. Think about it. When you compare him to King King, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you can actually see King Nebuchadnezzar had this splendor about him. Okay? He was the head of gold. And his kingdom reflected his status. His kingdom reflected his majesty. His kingdom reflected his power and the influence that he had. But here comes Jesus as a lowly kid growing up in a normal world, still king of this new kingdom that is to come. But he does not even fit the profile. 
The Israelites are confused. They're waiting for this coming Messiah with splendor. He's going to split the sky. He's going to come down with a sword and he's going to be like glorious splendor oozing out with lightning and thunder with the Romans who just scatter and run and hide under rocks. But no, it was a lowly servant that showed up. Nothing to be desired whatsoever. Interesting how God does stuff, huh? How his methods are. To us humans, it seems really foolish. Anyways, let's keep on going. You see, Jesus, the king of glory. Jesus, the lowly servant. Like he fits all his names. Because all those names are actually a testimony of his own character. And what he wants to bring forth from his kingdom. He's bringing something from his kingdom into this place showing you this is what it actually looks like. This is what the manifestation of this kingdom is. When you actually receive me, here is what you get with it. Because when you enter into this domain, for example, if you decide that you want to go into Russia right now, you won't need a passport, right? You're going to need approval from the government to actually step into that land. So if we can have that in the earthly realm, that means the only entry to this kingdom that is greater than any kingdom that will ever exist on this earth is to this one king. But the way it came was so unattractive. That was hard for people to receive it. We humans rather receive something from somebody who's splendid than we have at least some level of status saying, yeah, you know, the person that gave me this, he's a prestigious person. Big deal. But yet, when Jesus presented what he had to present about his kingdom, it was not what we thought it should look like. So here he comes, and he shows up. And he goes, like you all know the story. I don't want to, you know, time was I can't go through all that detail. But you know the story. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Goes in the wilderness, comes back with the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes forth wrecking stuff on this earth. Demons screaming, diseases fleeing. And he shows the pure manifestation of the goodness of this kingdom that he's king of. And every place that he went... You could see the actual manifestation, true evidence that this kingdom was true. And this kingdom was actually superior. Even though the king himself did not look superior. But the king, I mean, but the kingdom itself was really superior. Because in every place that he went, if you notice, the sick got healed. The blind would see. The demons would flee. The captives would be set free. And so on and so forth. You all know that story. Even John the Baptist, who was the voice from the desert, preparing this way for the king to come, for this king of glory to appear on this earth. Even he himself had doubts. He was sitting in jail, and he's trying to figure out, is this kingdom 
I mean, is this the king that was promised? Is this the Messiah that was supposed to come? I mean, you just think about it yourself. You, you've been in the same position. Trying to wonder, all these promises and all these prophecies heard me. This guy doesn't fit the profile. Why am I in jail? If he's the king, why am I sitting in here? Shouldn't they be doing something about this, this deal? So do you know what Jesus does? When those, Paul, I mean, John's disciples come, asking him, are you the one or should we be waiting for somebody else? Jesus didn't even answer them right away. If you look at the book of Luke. What Jesus does, he looks at them, hears the question, turns around and starts speaking to the crowd. And immediately starts performing miracles. Healing the sick, casting out demons, the lame walking. And he does several multiple like miracles left and right. Then turns around and looks at John's disciples and say, you go tell him what you've seen here today. The lame walk, the blind see, demons are cast out. He said, you tell him what you've seen, for this is the kingdom that I'm talking about. That's what he declared to John. With demonstration. Not with words, but with demonstration. He said, I will answer you so that you can actually see the superiority of this kingdom. Let me show you. It's interesting how Jesus does stuff, man. God does stuff in a different way. You ask him a question, he ignores you. Can you imagine how long they were standing there witnessing all these miracles taking place? And then they still needed an answer from him. I'd be out of there be like, John, we, I've seen enough. He's the real deal. I don't need him to answer me at that point. But they waited the whole entire time until Jesus performed all these miracles. And turns around and says, you've been a witness to it. There is a kingdom. And I'm the king of this kingdom. And this is what it looks like. The kingdom with the good news. Amen. You got striking with me? Slowly but sure. Slowly but surely. So moving on here. Let's look at. It's also interesting how Jesus would describe the nature of this kingdom. How Jesus would describe the function of this kingdom. How Jesus would describe the growth of this kingdom. And he used parables with earthly terms to explain something that was spiritual that we couldn't see. And here's what he said in, in Mark 4, starting from verse 26. He says this. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who's got a seed on the ground. Not in day while he, while he sleeps or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. I mean, <laughs> if you're crowd sitting there, you're like, oh my goodness, what, what does he mean by that? Like, you know, tr- trying to figure out with that, with those, with that description, 
what the kingdom of God is like. Even even the imagination is hard to grasp it. But yet, the truth that he's speaking here about this kingdom is more profound than we realize. Which is this. He talks about that it's growing. Just like in Daniel, we say that this rock that was curved not by human hands grew into this mighty mountain. Here Jesus describes the nature of this kingdom, how it grows. He says it still grows continuously. Now, if you've been a farmer before, that means there's all sorts of seasons that you plant different kinds of crops. My granddad used to do that part. And you know when you're going through these seasons, there's sometimes it's seasons of abundance. Sometimes it's seasons of drought. Sometimes it's kind of iffy. You know, if you've grown, if you've had any garden. Okay, especially like right now, there's a lot of rain. So I have a garden at home. My tomatoes look like they're about to die because it's so much water. <laughs> and I'm trying to channel the water out. But the point is this. Regardless of whether we realize it or not ourselves, the kingdom is actually growing in us. Whether we're awake or asleep, this kingdom is continuously growing in us. It is continuously expanding within us. Because Jesus said himself, the kingdom of God is in you. He said, you're looking here and there, but he said, no, the kingdom of God is actually in you. And it's continuously growing. And it's not a matter whether we actually see it or not. But the truth about it is it's the fruit that comes out of it. And you yourself can testify to the fruit of this kingdom in your own life. You can be a witness to it. The fact that we're here worshiping, that's the fruit of that kingdom. The fact that I'm standing here preaching to you guys is a fruit of that kingdom. The fact that you are dad is a fruit of that kingdom. The fact that you want to teach your kids about God himself is the fruit of that kingdom. There's a real manifestation of it. Sometimes we'll make it too super spiritual. But the truth about it is, even if you have a garden at home, and you're producing all these crops for your own benefit, and you're speaking to your plants, you know, sweetly, because that's what I do. You got to grow tomatoes. I love you. I like to eat you. <laughs> and they actually respond, you know. Like you really, you be yummy in my belly. So, moving on. Okay, able to track it with me so far. So, one of the things the Lord was speaking to me about is this. He was saying, even though, they, you know, like I've had seasons where the presence of the Lord was so tangible in my life, like it, it didn't matter where I went. Like people could sense it, and it was so rich. It was so beautiful. And that was a season of abundance. Because even that presence was coming out of me, I understood there was something greater in me that was actually growing than I actually myself realized. And then I started going through this hard season. And all of a sudden, you go, God, are you still around? Are you still present? And then that's when he started speaking to me about his kingdom. Saying, son, whether you know it or not, whether you're aware or not aware, there's something in you that is growing. There's something that I've begun in you. This mystery that the prophets spoke about from way back when is the same mystery that is being manifested in you. 
Because this was the father's plan from the very beginning. When the father decided to bring this kingdom into existence, it was not for himself. Did you know that? I'll read it. It's for us, his children. It's for us, his children, to have a place to live. I'll leave you there. I'll let you chew on that. Let me not have explained that. I'll just let you chew on that for a little bit. And I can actually see my own life. That even though I might be, I might feel like I'm buried under this ground. In this dark place. Not able to really see much of the sunlight. But the whispers of the father are so gentle, saying, my kingdom is growing in you. My kingdom is growing in you. Just the same way it grew up in my son, it's growing in you. See, all those years that Jesus was silent, we don't know. I mean, you know, certain ages, we don't. We know that he appeared when he was 12. He was in the temple. You know, he was uh, listening to Pharisees, asking questions and all sorts of stuff. He disappeared from his parents for a little bit, for three days. They got mad at him. I mean, we have little glimpses. But you, but you don't see the manifestation of that kingdom. Until later on. When the time was right. The father brought that forth. That which was growing in him. When the Holy Spirit came on him. That which was growing in him started manifesting. outward. See Jesus is like a forerunner. For what we are supposed to experience. See, that's how I look at when I read the word. He's a forerunner of what I'm supposed to be experiencing. He's a forerunner of what, this, what the Father's plan is for my life. Not just Jesus, he's the king, he's God. No, he, when he came, he came as a human. And the things that he did on this earth, he did as a human. Because he emptied himself of all his godliness. And trusted in being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking this earth as a man and manifesting this kingdom that was growing in him all this time. That kingdom was growing in him. It's the same way it's growing in us. And at the right time, as he says in that scripture, the farmer comes and he reaps his harvest of the manifestation of what has been growing in you. What can be that harvest sometimes? When you're full of maturity and you've gotten to that place, you could start praying for people and people start getting healed. That is the fruit of that which has been growing in you all these years. In silence, in dormancy, not dormancy, but in the darkness of under the ground. And sometimes you might see a little leaf shooting through, but it's still not mature yet. But when the full maturity comes, all of a sudden you start walking in this authority. Because the father says, now it's time for me to reap the harvest of all that stuff that has been growing in you. Go forth and heal the sick. Go forth and open blind eyes. Okay, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Make it don't stop. Everybody try to me about that part? 
So sometimes we put this other pressure on ourselves. Of we're supposed to be walking this kind of caliber. But yet we haven't allowed the maturity of the kingdom really take place in us. Let's look at a. I'm going to skip it. Let's look at the next thing that Jesus said about the kingdom. This is Mark. You got that part? All right. It says this. Starting from verse 8. It says, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story shall I use to illustrate it? It's like the mustard seed that is planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and the birds can make the nest in its shade. Now, this is Jesus describing the growth of this kingdom in you. What I just said before, here's the scripture for it. Of that mustard seed of the kingdom that the Father planted in you. Because he cultivated the ground for him to plant that seed. So the moment he said yes to Jesus, that seed was planted. And the person, that's why I love Holy Spirit. He's described as what? The river, sometimes streams, right? Like the woman of the well, rivers will flow through you. And if you notice, if you have a land where you have a river running through, a stream running through, you actually can water your plants. Sometimes it's the rain that comes. See, Holy Spirit himself is the one that manifests himself in us for those seeds to grow or for that seed of the kingdom to grow or whatever gifts that are in there for them to mature and grow. That's why it was important for Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when he was in full maturity, when that, when that kingdom had fully grown in him, then the creative power of the Holy Spirit came in play. Anyways, I shall leave it there. I'm almost done, people. So here's a word of encouragement that I want to give all of us. Even if you're going through those really crazy dark times, or even if you're going through a place of abundance, it's okay. But I just want to encourage you about this. When that scripture says, no eye has seen, the truth is this. Those disciples are following Jesus around. Okay? Seeing Jesus doing all these miracles that he had handpicked. Okay? And they themselves were able to do some miracles because Jesus released an impartation to them. If you fast forward, they went through a really dark time, didn't they? They all denied Jesus. I mean, they ran. They fled. When the time came, they fled. They were gone. I'm just going to take one person. When you look at Peter's life himself, here's this guy that is just completely messed up because he knows that he denied the person that he witnessed perform all these miracles. The person that he had said out of his own mouth, you are the son of God. Like he had witnessed that. And Jesus said straight up to him, you did not realize this revelation by yourself. This has been granted to you by the Father. That same man 
in his dark hour. I don't think he ever imagined that his shadow will be healing people. I'm just saying. I don't think that entered his mind. That's what the scripture said. Right? No eye has has Neither has it entered. Those disciples had no idea what God had prepared for them. All those years that they spent with, the, with this king of salvation. The father himself was cultivating ground and making it fertile so he can plant the seed of his kingdom in them. So that at the right time, it can manifest through them. They had no idea all that stuff was going to be happening. I'm pretty sure. The kingdom of God, I mean, that was a true manifestation of the kingdom of God. All this sh- the shadow, Peter's shadow, healing people. They did not expect that. I mean, they're sitting in this upper room, they've been praying for days. They hear mighty wind. They were not prepared for that. Did they hear Jesus say that? Yeah. But they were not prepared for that. They didn't know what that was going to look like. The next thing, they intoxicated with Holy Spirit himself. People are going, you're drunk. They're going, no, it's not in the morning, man. I don't know what you're talking about. But yet, these 12 turned the world upside down. It, reached, it started from one king introducing his kingdom. And then delegating it to this twelve said, go forth and proclaim this kingdom. What was the commission that Jesus told them? Anybody remember that commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Gave them that commission. Because the time had come for the kingdom of God in them to manifest. And they went forth manifesting that kingdom. And many lives were touched. That is for us, people. Absolutely turn the world upside down. That's for us. When the kingdom fully matures in us, we can trust God to bring it forth so he can start manifesting. Regardless of where you are in your life, the kingdom is still growing in you. That's the encouragement that I want to give you this morning. That the kingdom of God is growing in us. And the Holy Spirit is facilitating that. And at the right time, you see, we haven't seen the full manifestation of the kingdom. You know that, right? Like, not at all. But the fact that the Lord is stirring my heart about that part right now, that means there is something coming to this earth. Because Jesus, the king, is now returning to a decrepit kingdom. That's the truth. He's not. He's coming to a kingdom that is fully manifesting Fully manifesting his glory and his power on this earth. We are the forerunners announcing that there is a greater kingdom coming. We are the forerunners announcing there is a kingdom that is greater that is coming. That will knock out every kingdom that has been on this earth. It's interesting that Jesus came from the Roman Empire. At the height of the Roman Empire. And this king shows up. They're trying to kill babies because they don't want, because they're like, okay, king, a king has been born. Okay, we need, we need to find this person. We need to kill because we can't have this going on right now. We got too much at stake to lose. So let's start killing babies. But it can never 
be destroyed. It can never be conquered. The kingdom will prevail. That is the joy that you can take from here this morning. That the kingdom will prevail. Regardless of what is going on in your life, the kingdom of God will prevail. Because there will be no other kingdom be able to stand against it. None. Because it's superior. Amen. So I'd like to finish with this. Can I finish with this? Yes. I'd like to. Okay, this is going back to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 9. I want to read the whole thing. This is just Paul's testimony. He goes and says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you of God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I will forget everything else except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I mean, just think about that. Good gosh. The king of this kingdom allowed himself to die. He allowed himself to go into the pit of hell. So that this kingdom can be established. That hell will know. It can never prevail against it. It looked crazy. I'm sure people are going, this is the king. He's hanging and bleeding and dying. This is the king of this kingdom. How can this be? But yet the profoundness of what Jesus was actually establishing was beyond the capability of them understanding. Hmm. Let me keep on going. So I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever, persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you will, tr- so you will trust not in human wisdom, but in the, wis- but in the power of God. See, because the kingdom is the kingdom of power. Okay? It's the kingdom of power. Just think about it this way also. There's proof that we live in this kingdom. Because when we got delivered, we got delivered from which kingdom? Kingdom of darkness. And we're put in the kingdom of light. We've been transferred into this kingdom. Our very existence is in that kingdom. So it's almost like we can live in two places. We can live on the earth alone. But we live also in this kingdom. But our main place that we're supposed to draw everything from is from that kingdom. From the unseen to the sin. Period. I cannot stand here and tell you that I have attained or mastered that yet. But I strive for going after Jesus. That I may see this in my life. God says, yet, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not... The kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. King Nebuchadnezzar. When he had that dream, all the other kingdoms are going to crumble. That's what was in his dream. And he goes and says, no. He says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate 
glory before the world begun. Remember what I said about the kingdom? Okay, it's right there. He says it quickly, even though he made it for what? Our ultimate glory before. He did not create a kingdom for himself. He created to put his children in this kingdom. That we may have a place. That we may have unlimited resources. To be able to draw from. To do what we are actually supposed to do. Not only just to preach the gospel for our own personal lives also. Okay. But the rulers of this world had not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious king. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Period. I'm feeling all bubbly in my stomach. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't know think those disciples imagined. They did not imagine that there would be this many millions of Christians just in the United States. Not even talking across the nations. They did not imagine that. It did not enter their mind. The expansion and the absolute manifestation of this kingdom. They did not imagine that part. So beloveds, you can take courage that it's not even entered your mind what is yet to come. It's not even entered our hearts or minds exactly what the full manifestation of the kingdom is going to look like. I mean, Jesus said, more than this you shall do. More than this you shall do. His miracles cannot even be recorded. There's not enough volume of books to fit it. Not. I can't even imagine what that looks like. I mean, I'm recording miracles that Jesus did. I'm sure in the archives of heaven will be like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that was possible. But he said, more than that, you shall do. More than Peter's shadow, you shall do. More and more and more. Because in his kingdom, there is what? No end. It's a continuous increase. It is continuously increasing. Say, I teach math. It's not, it's not just exponential. It goes to like another, it's not even infinite. Because it's not enough words to really describe. You know, because an exponential curve goes just straight up. But there's not even enough vocabulary to describe the majesty and the power of the fullness of this kingdom the year is to come. It's already here. But with the forerunners announcing, telling people, there is a greater kingdom coming. That's it. I have no more.